0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale. As always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Obviously can't be going in there to eat, but they're still doing delivery and pickup through Grubhub. So make sure to get on there and get to Coach's any way you can. I've got a really fun guest today, one of my favorite women in sports, Mariah Guzman. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Anthony. I like that you slid that in there. I appreciate it.
0: I had to because of the first topic we're going to talk about today here on the Cubs Corner, and it's actually not about the Cubs. It's about the team that knocked the Cubs out of the playoffs, the Miami (laughs) Marlins. They hired the first ever female general manager, Kim Ng, Um, So I just wanted to kind of get your take on that situation as a fellow woman in in sports.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's huge because she's not only a female, but she's an Asian-American woman, you know? And so I think that within her background, I think that that's something that's really important to her. Obviously, I can't relate to what it's like in that community, but um, I think overall it's just like a big move for women. I think I made a joke, too, on my Twitter, like, now that I see that this is possible, I'm going to change my career path or something like that. But I think when I actually sat back and realized, like, what when I tweeted that, I was like, that's actually, like, a lot deeper than my tweet. It, it was, like, now women can see that that's something that they can do. It's also a big year for sports because um, the Lakers, is she an owner or something? But the woman, like, she won... Like when the Lakers won a championship, like there was like a woman I can't remember who like what her name was or what her exact role was, but it was big for her too. So I think we've seen a lot more of that, um, and it's just good. I feel like it's nice to see women in power, especially in sports where it's always like a not so uh, even out as far as male and female.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I can't remember the name, but there's also a female referee now in the NFL every Sunday, different game. We see, we see that. So we're seeing a lot of these sports kind of get um, more women involved, but you talk about general manager of a baseball team. That's about as high as it gets.
1: Yeah. Especially for somebody who's been in the league for 30 years. Like she had, like, this isn't just like out of nowhere, you know, like she has been at this for a very long time. And I think she's been working to break down these doors. And so, I mean, it's nice. It's it's kind of like 2020 has been a unfortunate year in many ways. But I feel like for women, we've seen a lot of good things happen. Um, and like now we are about to have the first woman who's also an Asian American and black American woman as VP. So it, there's just all kinds of things like that that are happening around the world that, people, and especially, like, young girls, I think about, like, I think about stuff like that as a 22 year old, because I still have, like, a whole life ahead of me as far as career, but you think about those young girls, when they're seeing that on TV, it's even more normalized for them, like, we notice that it's a big change, but for them, it's like, wow, okay, so that's a girl doing that, it's not like, it's weird to them, you know, it's not like they don't understand that maybe it's so monumental, so I think that's, like, the biggest thing and i think she's gonna be great at this honestly i mean she knows her stuff 30 years like 30 plus years doing this stuff so i mean nothing new to her i think she's gonna kill it so
0: <laughs> yeah i mean that that's the the thing about it that i think a lot of people aren't um really realizing like you see the move and, and you might think it's a it's a pr move you just want to say we've got a, a woman in power here but she's been involved in the game for over 30 years worked with a bunch of different organizations she was she was with the Yankees when they won a title yeah. i 'm pretty sure she was with the Cubs for a little while too before she ended up in Miami, kind of reunited with Jeter, who she was with yeah. in New York gets hired as the the general manager and and I mean you bring up a good point, especially for kids seeing like you judge possibility based on what you see, so seeing people do these things makes you realize that it 's possible and the next thing I wanted to talk about. I know you said it was kind of like a joke, but your tweet, I I thought, I looked at it a lot (laughs) deeper probably than you meant when you hit tweet, but seeing, for you seeing that that's possible, obviously maybe not exactly a career change, but what did it mean to you?
1: Um, Honestly, it's just like, so obviously the actual career that I want to go in is some form of sports announcing or broadcasting, right? And so... I knew from a young age that like, it was going to be difficult for me. And when I actually seriously like, considered this when I got into college, it was going to be difficult for me. I mean, like as a girl, I think it's it's hard um, to put like to give somebody else a perspective of like what you go through, especially like when you have any type of interest in sports, because like, even when I was young, it was like, people were like, Oh, you like baseball? And then it'd be like, yeah. They're like, okay, so name every single Cubs player. And I'm like, why do I have to do that? (laughs)
0: You can't do that either.
1: (laughs) Right? Like, why do I have to prove and then and it's funny, because I remember actually this one instance, I'm pretty sure I was like 12 years old when this happened, by the way, like I was young. And I listed off players by last name, because that's just like, you know what you do. And they were like, Well, you don't know the first names. And so, like, I had to go back. And then I think, like, I mean, at the at the time, you're so young. It's just like, well, I'm going to prove to them that I do know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But when I look at it now, I would never do that. If somebody, like, questions me like that, I don't have to prove anything to you because I'm in the spot that I am now because I worked really hard for it. And people saw that I knew my stuff. So I think, like, as far as what it means, it just means that, like, women it's not just a girl thing like you said it's not oh she's just a woman and this is a good pr move it she worked really freaking hard she probably should have been in this position a lot longer ago and it probably took her this long because she's a woman and because she was trying to like break through all these doors you know but it just takes that or like jessica mendoza a few years ago becoming the first like uh color woman commentator for mlb games that's huge. She broadcast one of the World Series games. That was it, and and not only that with Mendoza, like that's where I relate because she's a Mexican woman too, or she has like uh, Hispanic heritage. So it's like it's seeing things like that that really just make you realize that some parts are changing. I wouldn't go as far to say as the world is changing, but I think that like some parts in especially the sports world are changing, and you're seeing a lot more female commentators and just overall sports reporters, honestly.
0: Yeah, and it's it's definitely a step in the right direction. I think um I th- I just think it's funny that, you know, people would try to make you do the names and everything when like Harry Carey Hall of Famer had no idea what half the people's yeah. names were on the team.
1: And it's like, have you ever experienced that? Like, have you ever had somebody, like, question you and, like, harp down on you and ask you if you knew every single play or what this meant or how this, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I
0: mean, not to prove that I that I knew it, you know, like, right. not not like they were doubting, doubting yeah. it. So I, I, that's not exactly something I can relate to. But another thing that I think is cool is the Marlins have a really exciting young team, and they're going to be good it's not like she's taking over some project like the yeah. the Cubs <laughs> eight years ago, you know? Yes. She, she's got a team that is really close to being ready to win.
1: Yeah, so I think that's huge too. And, I mean, if we can see her get a huge win quicker, I mean, I'm all for it, you know? But not to say that anything was handed to her because she's been at this for a long time. So I think... It's only going to be a nice addition. It's only going to like head towards improvement for that organization, I think. And it's nice to have a different voice, a different input, because sometimes I feel like that's like with the Cubs, that's like what they needed. Yeah. Because they had some solid ground, but they needed an extra push.
0: Yeah, and, and we'll get into that in, in just a minute. And it's not like they hired her out of um, some other organization either. She was promoted through the Marlins organization so she's obviously been involved with a lot of those moves that got them to having a roster that's about to win but you kind of look at it they are the team that beat the Cubs will flip to the Cubs really quick they're kind of on the the flip side of this whole situation the Marlins have this window new general manager that's about to open and this week Theo Epstein announced that he was going to be stepping down from his position as president of baseball operations um Jed Hoyer is going to take over um, I mean, first of all, as a Cubs fan, and I, I know you are, I am as well, ch- kind of stepping away from, like, the journalist point of view, but just as a Cubs fan, how much did Theo mean to you?
1: Um, I mean, it was Theo's league, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I always said that, and I feel like I always meant it, and I always believed in him. So mm-hmm. I think it was interesting, too, because – So, Theo checked the job with the Cubs in 2011, right? Yeah,
0: nine years ago. This would have been the 10th season, but he stepped down before it.
1: Okay, right. So, in 2011, I was 13. So, I'm hitting the point where, like, I've always been a Cubs fan, right? But I'm kind of getting older. I'm kind of getting to an age where, like, I can understand things a little bit more and deeper than just the game of baseball. And... So I feel like essentially like a part of me grew up with this Cubs team with Theo. So I mean, it's kind of weird because I don't I mean, before then I was too young to know what happened before that, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as president of baseball operations or like general manager goes. Like, um, so I think that it's part of that that like I think about like dang, I don't really know anything but Theo. So how are we move forward like it's so weird you know and you were you were like two, maybe two years younger than me right yeah. so like I feel like it, it essentially was like the same kind of impact for you like you've only known Theo I mean yeah there was other people before and you were a Cubs fan for Theo but I feel like Theo honestly really turned the Cubs around to be into something that like was more like I feel like the Cubs are always like this homey kind of team Mm -hmm. but I feel like that was just really like ground in when Theo like became like took over so yeah
0: I yeah I I definitely get, get what you're saying there I mean they they went from lovable losers to to champions in however many years I remember before Theo, it was Jim Hendry, and I don't really remember like any big moves he made or any mistakes he made. Obviously, yeah. signing Soriano is something I remember because I was like right when I started getting in in like super into the Cubs, and then one time on my way home from a Cubs game, he drove past us, and so like I knew what he looked like. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like I, I mean, I hardly knew anything about him. Obviously. Now it's kind of funny because he's a member at Ridgemore where I work, so I see him every once in a while. And like like last summer I talked to him and I was like, "So, he works for the Yankees now." And I was like, <laughs> "So are you guys going to get starting pitcher?" And he's like, "Yeah, we're looking at Stroman, we're looking at whatever." And then they ended up not cuz they never do at the deadline. Um <laughs> and then a few few months later they ended up going and signing Garrett Cole, which is kind of kind of crazy how that flipped, but yeah. um But, yeah, like you said, Theo took over right in my prime of watching the Cubs. Like, that was right when I was so into it, and it sucked because they were terrible for three years at the beginning. (laughs) And I was too young to understand this is a plan. I was like, man, we stink still. This is brutal. But um, I think what makes our cases different is we – I don't know. Do you remember 03? Because I don't. I was too young.
1: I was – too young, too. I was five. So, like, I remember because, like, my dad would talk about it all the time, but I don't, like, remember actually experiencing yeah, part of me, it. Yeah, <laughs> me
0: neither. I don't remember 03. I remember, obviously, 7 when they lost then, um, but that was my first, you know, playoff experience with the Cubs. Um, mm-hmm. What made our situation different is we never went through the the suffering that so many other Cubs fans did. Um, which is why I think Theo makes a little bit more of an impact on them um because yeah. they they went through so many terrible trades and and bad moves and, and losses in the playoffs whereas we um I mean really the first time they were good, they won it you know
1: yeah i mean we we suffered through like a lot of regular season losses, and yeah, like, we definitely knew that that team was bad and it was hilarious' cause, like when I look back on it now and like um like. I would always like go to games, right? And I'm like, and I, I remember at a certain point I was like, why do we keep going in these games that they
0: just keep <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my my dad is as big as a Cubs fan as they come and and he even went through a stretch where all the Cubs memorabilia was off the wall and he wouldn't go to a game. Like that's how how bad it got. And uh and it just so happened to be right when the Hawks got really good, so we had a bunch of Hawks stuff hanging around the ha- hanging around <laughs> yes. the house, but yeah. um but, I mean, it's been – the. I mean, the Cubs have defined – I don't know about you personally, but they've defined me, my childhood, and a lot of that is because of, you know, what Theo did to retool the roster, hired the right manager, and then hired the second right manager, I think. Um, and all these players that I grew up with and that have given me so many memories, it's all Theo. Theo's league.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, literally. I think, too, a part of it was like – the culture that came with Theo Mm -hmm. as far as the team and it wasn't just like they were hiring players or they were signing players or trading players it was like they were bringing on guys who were great people you know yeah and so minus like I hate bringing – but, like, minus, like, the Addison-Russell ordeal, Mm -hmm. which I think they handled to the best of their ability. I think so, too, yeah. And that was, like – and I actually – what's funny is about that is, oh, I should bring this up. So in my my law class that I took um, last year, my – one of the assistant teachers was actually um, the lawyer for the Ricketts family oh wow so he like he can not he couldn't like obviously like that's his like job and like he's going in there all the time um so he wouldn't like say everything and he you know like he has to protect his job but like we somebody i think i think i like straight up asked him because he brought up that scenario and like mm-hmm. how would we handle that and um i straight up asked him like what was that like and he said like and i i'm Very much paraphrasing. I'm not even using his name, so I feel like it's okay. But like he said, like they, you know, went into the offices and you know Addison Russell and whoever had their private talk without him in the room. And they came, and then like everybody and like the Cubs, like operations came together, and they were trying to work out like how do we, you know, how do we deal with this? Like what do we do? Because you want to be there for the family who was affected. Um, but then you also, it's like the team aspect. So it was kind of cool like getting that because um, I feel like even that small talk that he had explaining that to us made me realize that like the Cubs weren't about just like what was going to be best for the team. It was like, how can we gently go about this? Because this is a very, like, it, it's a very sensitive topic and Mm -hmm. it was like you're dealing with somebody's family who you you know you want to be sensitive to that so I think like through that we've just seen a lot of moves um and a lot of things handled and thrown their way that they probably didn't ask for but again like going back to the culture thing it's like you get players like Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Jake Arrieta that like you all feel like you can like relate to or like they're just like normal people Mm -hmm. but they're also people you love watching on the field so I think that's why when guys, like, slowly would trickle out, that's why it would hurt. Like, when Ariana left, that's why it hurt. Because it's like, dang, this is really a family. Yeah. And not every MLB yeah. team is like that.
0: That That's the thing that the, the Theo regime got the most praise for was making it feel like a family and making the families of these players feel, like, welcomed. Like, in the yeah. clubhouse, at the stadium all the time. And um, for those of you who don't remember the whole Addison Russell situation, obviously... Um, the domestic abuse occurred but then the cubs decided instead of just cutting ties with russell they wanted to be there for russell's family those affected give them the resources possible and then they also made it mandatory for all players and staff in the entire organization like even the people that sold popcorn at the stadiums to go through um domestic like abuse training i think it was what it was called or domestic assault training something like that just so everybody was prepared to not only recognize what it is, but how to handle it. And I think that's as forward thinking as you could get for a front office.
1: Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that's like what I was trying to get across is the whole like money thing with mm-hmm. Russell. Because it's like, we're not just taking away his pay. He has kids. You know, it's like there there's people that rely on him for support. His wife at the time was 23.
0: Yeah, he was super young too. Yeah.
1: Like, if I'm... Like, so if I look at that now, like, if I was in that position, it's like, you're not only scared, be- I mean, like, you know, it's like she was put in a really, like, awkward spot. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, for them to try and do their best, and I hope they did. I hope she feels like that they did, you know, but um, I think just things like that, I mean, I feel like that was probably the most, like, I don't, I don't want to say, like, scandalous thing, but, like, the most, like...
0: Yeah, it tough- was... There like were like hard. three things that happened at like the same time. It was that it was um like the Ricketts' father's emails that got leaked yeah. like and then it all coincided with the the Ricketts the one brother who was the governor in Nebraska or the yeah. mayor in like Omaha or whatever yeah. and it was like it, all three of those things happened at like the same time, and it was also like, do we keep Joe? do we get rid of Joe? So there was obviously a lot on the plate. But I also want to talk about, like, actually Theo stepping down. Um, we, all, I mean, we all knew it was coming. He said he wasn't going to stay more than 10 years anyway. But, I mean, his reasons when he said, um, like, I think he wrote in a letter. And he said, um, I knew I wasn't going to be here for another year. And this team desperately needs to think forward. So I thought it would make more sense to have somebody else in charge that is going to be here to think forward instead of um, just me. Plus, they saved $10 million from him leaving that they can use. Like Maybe it's to re-sign somebody. Maybe it's to keep some of these um, scouts in the organization that they can't afford right now. Whatever it is, it kind of seems like a very selfless move from Theo, which would be the icing on the cake to his tenure.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when you said that. Like, what a selfless guy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know what was going on. I don't know what conversations there were. And I think that this was as good of a time for Theo to leave as any. um, Because I would hate to have, like, seen him gone through one more year and then say, like, the Cubs had, like, a terrible playoff situation and had bad trades going, you know, like, whatever will happen within, like, the next year. Um, I would hate to see him, like, go out and then, like, people be like, well, it's because, like, you just can't win, you know, something like that. So I think that he was right in doing this the way he did. And um, honestly, I think that, like, it was a good way. I felt like – I don't know if you want to transition to that yet, but, like, I felt like the people that were hating on – The whole ordeal was because they were upset that the Cubs weren't looking outside of their organization to replace Theo, which I wasn't really a fan of because I feel like if you loved Theo, then the next best guy is going to be the guy who's pretty much been with him throughout his entire career with the Cubs. Which is Jed, you know. Right,
0: yeah. I mean Theo to Jed made sense the same way Madden to Ross made sense where they've yeah. they've been in the organization. I think much like the Ross situation, everybody knew Jed was gonna be the next guy. Um and and I think going going back to what you said, I think Theo Leaving now protects his legacy a little bit more than it would if he stayed another year and they were bad like you end on a division championship in the middle of a pandemic. Like, that's about as good as you could do without <laughs> winning, winning in the playoffs. Um, but then, I mean, you look at Hoyer, uh, now officially the president of baseball operations. I think it happened yesterday at, at midnight um, officially. Um, the early reports are that the Cubs are expecting a lot of roster turnover, kind of a retool type of thing. Um. So I want to ask you kind of rapid fire, yes or no, will these guys be on the team opening day?
1: Oh, God. Okay. So
0: we'll start with the one that seems like most likely to go, Chris Bryant.
1: I can't like have this be rapid fire because they don't want to. Because also, a lot of these guys have come out and say that they don't want to leave the Cubs. Yeah, but I know. <laughs> I think that I do think that Bryant might deserve a little bit more. Might be a different player if he leaves the Cubs
0: where okay. they're at right now. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think this is going to be impossible to, to to do rapid fire too. I think <laughs> Bryant's we one of the guys that I – he's he's always been my, my favorite since he's been a Cub. Um, yeah. And I've never understood why everybody, like, didn't like him as much. Like, everybody always wanted more out of the guy. He can't win the MVP every year. He's not Mike Trout, you know? Yeah. and And he's been, aside from this year, which was very injury-plagued and he wasn't good. Like, I'm not going to tell you he was good. And then 18, which he had the injuries. Every other year has been great. And then the MVP year was phenomenal. So, um, I mean, he gives you five tools. He's got versatility defensively. I was actually hoping that um, coming off a down year and not knowing what free agency is going to look like in a year from now, maybe these guys will come cheaper to re-sign like uh, a Baez or a Bryant. Um, obviously, Boris is involved, so it's hard to go with that. But I think if they want to trade him, they would probably wait until the trade deadline next year so he could have a little bit more value than, you know, 205 hitter with a bunch of injuries. Um, yeah. So I'm going to say Bryant will be on opening day. I sure hope so. <laughs> How about Rizzo? Yeah. I, yep. Yeah, I think so for sure. I think he's got to be priority one or two in terms of re-signing. Um, the, I've said it a million times, the modern-day Mr. Cub is, is kind of what he is to me. And exactly. I think, I think you've got to keep that guy in a Cubs uniform no matter what. But uh, my dad brought up a good point. He was like, this guy was the only guy that was around when they were bad, and he stuck around until they were good. He doesn't deserve to be on a bad Cubs team again. So I get that thought process too.
1: I don't I just don't know if Rizzo thinks like that. I feel like if he's like, I enjoy this team, I enjoy this city, I enjoy playing for this organization. Um I know money's a factor too, so I don't you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Next
0: one. <laughs> True, I'll I'll say um he's there too. How about Schwarber? That's the one I'm gonna say no.
1: I feel like that's a it's a logical no, but it's an unfortunate no. Um, just because the Cubs also put like went through a lot with Schwarber yeah. at the same time, true with like injury or like giving him time to like solidify um, a good position for him on the field, um, just like things like that. Uh, I think you have to look at. I really wish I knew like what went into. It those kinds of negotiations. Like, what do players actually think about? I would like to know
0: that. Yeah, it's it's hard to part with these guys that meant so much to that World Series team, but one of the biggest critiques of Theo is that he's been too loyal when, like, they could have improved instead of just hanging on to these guys. So it'll be interesting. Um, The last two, Baez and Contreras, I think Baez is um, priority number one to extend. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially, I mean... He sells tickets, and and obviously that's a huge factor, but he's also one of the most exciting players in the league. And then Contreras still has that extra year of control, so I think even if you wanted to resign him or trade him, you could wait on it. So I think they're both on the team.
1: Got to keep the Spanish Cubs. (laughs) Yeah,
0: definitely with you there. Um, But So with that, Jed Hoyer, now the new um, president of baseball operations, and he actually they there's an article that came out yesterday that said he would not have made the Eloy Jimenez, Dylan C's for Quintana yes. trade. Yes. So that's the
1: first thing that I thought of. That's the first thing that I thought
0: of. So at least like I mean, the other thing about Jed is he's not like Theo's puppet. He knows his stuff. And he was Definitely involved started, in a lot yeah. of moves and yeah. probably wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that Theo did. Yeah.
1: Um I think that that Quintana trade was at the time it's like you looked at it like some people were like oh this is huge but for me also like okay Cease hasn't done that well after they brought him up um but I knew that he was good at least and so I was like that's tough because Cease is also good like I feel like you would want to hold on to him yeah and then
0: Go ahead. I got, I got the trade. I knew you needed a starting pitcher, and I understood all of that. And I respect the the going for it mindset, like the Glaber Torres for Chapman. You thought you needed the starting pitcher to put you over the top. Totally mm-hmm. get it. It's just Quintana has been so average his entire career. Well, I mean, he was above average for the White Sox, but not great. Not worth two A plus prospects.
1: Like, not worth enough for you to think that that was going to, like, turn around your entire bullpen that it, has been like right. declining for years. Yeah,
0: especially <laughs> especially since Justin Verlander was also available that deadline, and he made a million comments about how he wanted to come play for the Cubs. Yeah. I think, where was he then, Detroit? I think Detroit accepts um, Eloy for Eloy and Cease for Verlander, probably. And then you get a Cy Young Award winner instead of a fourth starter. You know, like yeah. if that was the move you made instead, because I'm not mad about who they gave up. I really don't think Aloy fit long term. He's the exact same player as Schwarber, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, without the injuries, basically.
1: Well, and he, the thing is, like, great bat, amazing bat, but like,
0: he's worse sucks, than Schwarber you know? in the field. And yeah, we don't have a DH, and when you made the trade, the DH wasn't even close to coming in, so you can't yeah. think about it like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm with you there. I think right guys to trade, right idea to trade, wrong guy to trade for. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, we'll see what kind of moves Jed Hoyer makes. The last thing I want to talk about here, um, the BBWAA, if, if I'm saying that right, awards were last week, MVP, Manager of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and uh, – Cy Young award you um, Darvish was second in Cy Young behind Trevor Bauer as much as I wanted to see him win if I had a vote I probably would have voted Bauer too
1: yeah just sucks for Darvish because like of his like trials I guess and tribulations because it was also the same thing with um, uh, not the same thing but like with Quintana like you looked at Darvish like when we got Darvish I was like this is huge. This is going to be it. This is going to be the turnaround. This is going to be the one. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't it, gets, like, injury, and then it's just, like, it, it was just, like, kept, like, going down. Yeah. And I was like, God. Like, you know, um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, you saw, like, he had, like, some nasty pitches, especially this yeah. year. I, he... He did not come to play this year. Like, 2020 pandemic, like, season or not, he was going to come in full force, and he did. And he really worked it out. And I think, like, I also wonder, um, what is his contract? Do you know? They
0: have him and Hendricks both through 2023. So three more years. Oh, okay. So when you have a one and two starter, you'll be in enough games to be good. So... Mm -hmm. Um, the, the thing about Darvish for me, I think it's one of the best stories over the last few years and it got so much better this year. Um, obviously 18 first year without Arietta, he's the one that comes in and re- replaces quote unquote Arietta, really tough to do. Um, and he was brutal last year. Okay. First half dominated in the second half. He was talking to the media in English, like all these things that, um, progressed like as a, a human. and a person (laughs) beside on the mound and then this year what made it so cool is like the only knock on his career was how beat up he became as a player after the astros destroyed him in the world series then we found out they were cheating that wasn't your fault and and now he's got all this confidence and 11 freaking pitches that move all over the place like no wonder he's like he's been good the whole time it's just If you knew one of the 11 were coming, you're doing a lot better against him than if you have no idea what pitch is coming.
1: And that was a situation with the Dodgers, too. I mean, that's why they were so angry because Mm -hmm. it it was the same thing. So um, I feel like, which is funny because I wonder, yeah. Because, like, you being with the Dodgers beforehand, too. It's, so it's right. kind of like they were still all going through that together. Yeah. <laughs> Even when being on separate teams. I, um,
0: I, bet he was, I bet he was rooting for the Dodgers against the Rays. I bet he was. I mean,
1: I, I in that situation, it sucked uh, because...
0: I wish it was the Astros so I could root for the Dodgers because I really liked the Rays. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I really liked them. And... I mean, I don't know, in the World Series this year, too, like, I was huge. Um, I really liked, like, when it came down to who was actually going, were you, like, were, were you rooting for the Dodgers the whole time or were you, like, a part of the Braves, too? No,
0: I liked I liked the Braves. Um, they were they were my preseason pick, the Braves. Um, yes. I liked them. I liked them next year, too. I liked their players mm-hmm. a lot. I really like Freeman. Um, Cole Hamels is on their roster, so that's, like, a little Cubs connection there um they have a lot of former cubs like media people that work in atlanta too kelly kroll is in atlanta Yeah, that's what
1: i was gonna say like chip huge to, like jump from yeah and uh, like have a world series there and have like a good team and then just immediately jumps to the braves which is like a huge good team which right. is good for her because she knows how to cover playoff teams yeah
0: know? and so so i was rooting for the braves there i it because I don't like the Dodgers. I've never liked the Dodgers. They've all, nope, always been Hubs one of my fan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um and and I like the Rays. I think everybody likes the Rays unless you're like a Yankee fan or a Dodgers fan. Because they're they they should not have been there and they were. And it was so fun to root for them. Like the game four crazy walk off, like a Rosarena scored and that one guy was just doing the airplane in center field. Like that was awesome. Love I was that. Yeah. all in on the Rays. But then after the Dodgers won, I was able to step back and be like, they deserved a title.
1: Yeah. No, that was my thing, too, was, like, it for me, I mean, obviously, because, like, the Cubs weren't in that situation. So, like, I don't care as much as, like, you know, I feel like I do. You know, because, like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if it's not your home team, if it's not your diehard team, you not Yeah, don't I woke like, up
0: the not- next day, no problem.
1: Yeah, like, it's nothing to you. So I think for me with the Dodgers was, like, I never really cared for them, like you said, but I cared for a lot of their individual players. Yeah. So I think it was a part of that. And, like, seeing Kershaw finally, like, uh, for him to get a ring, I think that was huge. And, honestly, it was just, like, the whole, like, Dodgers redemption especially yeah after the local, it was cool like, Astros ordeal so I think they really deserve that I mean if you would have seen them go head to head in a World Series that would have been amazing yeah and um, then
0: I would have been all Dodgers like yeah like that would have been better
1: I think like most of the baseball like somehow fans, everybody
0: would become like, Dodgers fans yeah
1: yeah yeah no for 100% unless you were Astro fan
0: <laughs> right right yeah, I mean, so that that was definitely cool. I don't think you can say there's an asterisk on this season just because what every team has been through. Dodgers earned their title; they deserved it after everything they've been through the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, last thing we want to talk about: manager of the year. Um, Kevin Cash wins in the American League, and Don Mattingly wins in the National League. David Ross was one of the people eligible. Um, I think he came in third behind Jace Tingler of the Padres, and of course Mattingly. Um, I talked to you about this a little bit earlier in the week. The thing that bothers me about Don Mattingly winning it, and, and I would have <laughs> voted for him probably if I had a vote. I think taking a team that was last place last year, no expectations, battling all these roster moves you had to make because of COVID um, mm-hmm. into the playoffs is worthy of it. But there's a flip side of that too and that's you're responsible for the actions of all your players, not necessarily directly, but, I mean, you're in charge. You take some of the heat for that. And it was your guys that broke protocol and caused you guys to shut down and then play a bunch of doubleheaders and then have all these other guys come in from nowhere to be on your team. Yeah. So then wouldn't Ross, who led the only team who didn't have a single positive test the entire year and stayed true to the protocols and was so good in terms of protocols that the MLB discussed with them, like, how are you handling this? How are you doing so well?
1: Mm-hmm. Wouldn't
0: that be the manager of the year then?
1: Right. Um, and that's what I've struggled with because like you said, when, um, when it comes to Manning Lee, like, he wouldn't have been in that position to like, oh, come back and trials and tribulations. If he didn't put his players in that situation, granted, like he wasn't was, players yeah, right. like going out. Right. But like, you're in control of that team. You're you know in talks with that team. You're figuring out with that team, how to handle these kinds of situations, which like, yes, it was all new to everybody. And it was a tough task to ask, but at the same time, you weren't in a bubble like NBA players who literally went months without seeing their families right. until the very end when they decided to slowly trickle in families that were quarantining and screened and tested. Mm-hmm. So it's like, really, guys? Like, I feel like with a lot of the MLB <laughs> like, players that were going out and partying and going to bars, it's like, first of all, are you freaking kidding me because we're still in a <laughs> pandemic? Right. Second of all, like, It's a privilege that you guys get to play this game right now. Don't ruin it. Yeah. And then when you look at the Cubs, it's like they had, like, you know, a cancer survivor. I feel like, so who? It was Rizzo. Rizzo and
0: and Lester.
1: And Lester, right. And
0: then how did he had it?
1: Yes. And then not only that, but just, like, different forms of, like, high-risk people. I mean, people that were in different, like... um,
0: Kimbrel's kid, I think.
1: was super high
0: risk and then bryant just had a kid
1: exactly so it's like they all had things that they were worried about which i'm sure other teams did too it's not like the cubs were the only people like that but i think it's like the selfishness that you see from other teams is what really hurt especially like when you look at the freaking cardinals who were just popping up because what was it it was the Marlins and the Cardinals. Yeah. Were the two worst Marlins
0: season. were a club and Cardinals were a casino that it happened in, or something yeah. like that.
1: And they were freaking I mean the Cardinals were about to blow their entire season. I'm surprised they didn't. I feel like yeah. if I'm MLB commissioner, you guys are done.
0: Yeah, punished. Done. <laughs>
1: like, what is that? Um mm-hmm. that really angered me also because I hate the Cardinals. So it's just like <laughs> really a stupid organization. Um, aside from that and going back to if Ross should have won i think that that was something that they should have taken really into consideration. yeah a little bit this. more because this is the 2020 year right this is the year of like what was important i think that that's the issue with a lot of these awards is like not taking like in all these stats and analytics it's like what what really made the difference this year mm-hmm. and i think that that was one of the biggest things that made the difference regardless of how deep or not the Cubs went into the playoffs, it doesn't matter. First of all, you have a brand new manager that's handed his first season in a pandemic. Yeah. What and for him again to have zero cases and to handle that perfectly and to keep his team safe and that organization safe, I think that that deserved the The manager of the like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so.
0: I, I'm I'm totally with you. But I will say, just to kind of play devil's advocate again for a second, <laughs> um, it was Mattingly's team that knocked out Ross's team in the playoffs, and Ross <laughs> in those two games did not manage particularly well. Um, so yeah. if that was what you looked at, I know they're not supposed to look at the playoffs, but it's hard not to. And and, and Mattingly did yeah. a, a pretty good job there. Um, so that's just about it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Um, as always, this episode brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill, available. Um, this podcast available, of course, on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and the Cubs HQ website. Mariah, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, no problem. I had fun talking about like professional sports instead of college sports.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got a break for a second. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner. And thank you, Theo.